Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. So glad you could be with us for this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. I'd like to start off this show by telling you a little bit of a story. I received an email from an individual who is a member of record in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. However, it doesn't seem to really believe the doctrines of the church any longer and was told to read a book that was written by, surprisingly, a teenage Latter-day Saint. It was called Perfect in Christ. It was written by this young guy by the name of Mitchell Taylor. Now, I admit I did not have the entire copy of the book to go through, but I did read at least the first and second chapter only because it was a sample on Amazon.com. He tells the story, this, this young boy tells the story of when he was about five years old, he had accidentally dented and scratched uh, a man's Ferrari, his red Ferrari, and how his father came to him after he felt so terrible for doing that and told him that he would have to pay restitution for that. And so he gave his father all the money that he had, as sad as that was for him to do that, he explains this. And then his father proceeded to give the money that his son gave him, along with a blank check, to the owner of the Ferrari as payment for the dent and the scratch paint. The owner of the Ferrari refused to take it. And this meant a lot to this young Mitchell Taylor because he saw this as an act of grace, that this is really how Jesus works when it comes to our sins. Now, I'm going to be upfront with you. When I read this story of the red Ferrari, I really couldn't find a lot of fault in what he was saying. Certainly, when we come to Christ with our sins, we can't pay for that sin in anything monetarily. We can't even pay for it in any type of labor that we can perform. That's the evangelical or the New Testament view. However, when I read this story by this young man, I couldn't help but ask, how did he come up with this conclusion? Because I would commend him for his conclusion. I think he's kind of going in the right direction here. Now, I admit, I did not read the rest of his book. It could be that Mitchell Taylor is kind of like a Brad Wilcox or kind of like a Dieter F. Uchtdorf, who seems to start out well telling a story and then ends up unraveling the whole beginning of his story by inserting covenant-keeping, commandment-keeping, and things like that. Now, Taylor does talk about repentance. But again, not knowing what he says in the rest of his book, I don't know how he defines this. But I still am puzzled. How did this young man come to a conclusion regarding his view of grace that sounds very similar to the evangelical view? Now, let's keep in mind, this young man has no priesthood authority to contradict what any of his leaders have said. So whenever you hear a Latter-day Saint give you a good story, as I feel this story was a good story about the Red Ferrari, he really doesn't speak for the church. This is only a personal observation. 
Unfortunately, a lot of people will take a personal observation from a very well-meaning Latter-day Saint and assume that that person's individual observation represents or reflects the doctrinal position of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, when in fact it does not. And I think this is what's important. The reason why I asked the question, where did he come up with this? How did this young man draw this conclusion when you have so many statements given by LDS leaders and even in LDS scripture that seems to contradict the conclusion he came up with? How did he do that? Did he have an evangelical friend that explained some of these things to him? Did he happen to pick up a good book written by an evangelical that explains what our understanding of the gospel of grace is really all about? I don't know. Quite honestly, I don't know. And again, I have not read the entire book, so I'm only going by what I read about the red Ferrari. The reason why I asked that question is because in the April 2022 General Conference of the Church, there were so many talks that seemed to go against this view of grace and this story of the red Ferrari. And we want to talk about that. And one of the first talks that we would like to discuss was one that was given by a 70 by the name of Kevin S. Hamilton. Before we get into that, I think we ought to mention, Bill, that we talk to Latter-day Saints on a regular basis, and I cannot tell you how many times I've had Latter-day Saints try to explain their view of salvation, very similar to the young man you're mentioning here, about how grace is so important and how they trust completely in Jesus, and that's what gives them salvation. In fact, I had a Christian asked me just a few weeks ago, and he was having a conversation with his Mormon friend, and he came to me and he says, you know, I, I really think that Mormonism has come around because my Mormon friend completely believes in grace, that there's nothing he does that gives him any kind of salvation. I don't think, though, my friend was asking the right kinds of questions because when you hear these words being said, grace and atonement and Jesus and all the things that he's done, you don't really understand unless you get the Latter-day Saint to come clean, I guess you would say, by asking the right kinds of questions. What do you mean that when you call Jesus your Savior? That's the question we like to ask. Uh, we like to ask, what do you mean by grace? Oh, so that means that you get to go to the celestial kingdom and receive exaltation merely on the grace of Jesus. And those are the kinds of questions that sometimes will flush this out and help us to better understand really maybe what our Latter-day Saint friends are saying. Yeah, and I think I want to go back to, to Mitchell Taylor's analogy and why I was actually encouraged by what he said when his father tried to give him the packet of money and a blank check, how the owner, Dave was his name, who owned the red Ferrari, refused to take it. I would say that probably resembles very closely to what we would believe, that there's nothing we can possibly do to pay this debt, and there's no need to pay it because we believe the debt has already been paid. Now, in this story, you would say Dave was the one who paid that debt. I get that. But as we've been talking about, that's not the way a lot of leaders explain it. And though some leaders like a Brad Wilcox or a Dieter F. Uchtdorf, people like that, might sound good, or even a Stephen Robinson in his book, Believing Christ, sound really good. Remember his parable of the bicycle, how his daughter wanted this bicycle. And of course, she had worked hard. She 
did her chores. That word's used in the book. But when she sees that the price of the bicycle is far more than what she's been able to save, 61 cents is how much she was able to save, what did Robinson do? He says, give me your 61 cents, give me a hug and a kiss, and I will buy the bicycle for you. And he says in his book, as he was going home, watching his daughter ride her new bicycle, that this was like a a picture of what God's grace was all about. No, it isn't. It's not at all. 61 cents certainly won't pay for that, but we're in debt. Our sin has put us in debt. We do not have anything to pay for our sin debt. We must rely totally on what Christ has done on our behalf. Anything less than that, if you say it's Jesus plus something, that's heretical. That's blasphemous. Because you're saying that Jesus' sacrifice was not enough to pay for your salvation, or in the context of Mormonism, to pay for your exaltation. Well, we're going to see from this talk by Kevin S. Hamilton, the way he explains it does not reflect the story of the red Ferrari. This talk that he gave was, Then Will I Make Weak Things Become Strong?, with the subtitle, As We Humble Ourselves and Exercise Faith in Jesus Christ, the grace of Christ and His infinite atoning sacrifice make it possible to change. In the first portion of his talk, he says one of Satan's greatest lies is that men and women cannot change. This untruth gets told and retold in many different ways as the world says that we simply cannot change, or worse yet, that we should not change. We are taught that our circumstances define us. We should, quote, embrace who we really are, end quote, the world says, and, quote, be authentic to our true selves. Now, Eric, I think if he was talking about what we believe to be the doctrine of sanctification, I don't think we'd have a problem with what he has said so far. Because we do believe there is a distinction between what justifies or makes us right with God and what sanctifies us or sets us apart. But let us make it very clear at the beginning of this series, once we are justified by our faith in what Jesus did for us, we can't add any more to that justification. Why? Because Jesus paid it all for our justification. We cannot add anything to what Jesus did. This is why we can say Jesus is enough. Now, does that mean we stop there? No. If you've listened to this show for any amount of time, you know we're not antinomians. We certainly do believe that once we are justified, we move on to the realm of sanctification where we want to live a life of holiness as best as we can, and it will not be consistent. But we will want to live this life that gives honor and glory to the one who saved us. Do we do it in order to get justified? No, we already have that justification. But you're going to see, based on what Kevin Hamilton is about to say, that you don't get the reward until after you've proven yourself worthy by improvement in your life. And this is why he talks about this idea of men and women changing Certainly, we would agree, if you're a Christian, you should be different than what you were before you were a Christian. But being better today than you were yesterday doesn't make you any more justified or any more saved. 
we should mention that you can see this article in the Liahona Magazine, May 2022. It's a Saturday afternoon session. There's one other section that we ought to read today that follows what you just read, Bill, in a section titled, We Can Change. He said, while it is indeed good to be authentic, we should be authentic to our real true selves as sons and daughters of God with a divine nature and destiny to become like him. Now, let's stop there, because very quickly, when he's referring to being sons and daughters of God, of course, in Mormonism, they believe all of humankind are the literal sons and daughters of God, and this is where they get this divine nature. We lived in the presence of our heavenly parents, heavenly father and heavenly mother. If you lived during the 19th century and 19th century Mormonism, of course, it would be heavenly father and heavenly mothers. They don't talk about that any longer, but this is where they get this idea that we have this divine nature. We are literal sons and daughters of God. He goes on and says, if our goal is to be authentic to this divine nature and destiny, then we will all need to change. The scriptural word for change is repentance. Too many people, President Russell M. Nelson teaches, consider repentance as punishment, something to be avoided except in the most serious circumstances. When Jesus asks you and me to repent, he is inviting us to change. Now, very quickly, you're going to notice in this general conference that Russell M. Nelson is cited throughout a lot of these talks. They are really pushing Russell M. Nelson as the prophet. And, and this is going to come up later on in Hamilton's talk. But in tomorrow's show, we're going to continue looking at this conference message, Then Will I Make Weak Things Become Strong? Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.